Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth on Muddied Waters Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome in for another wonderful Friday show. Hopefully, you guys are doing well. I think I've gotten our bugs fixed with the event planning. Uh, let me know if you guys are still there over in the Facebook world. Let me know if everything uh, was a nice, simple segue over, um, because I'm really hoping that this is working out. Um, it's been a struggle. We're, we're trying to grow, we're trying to do new things, trying to build this up, and so I want to thank you guys all for being a part of this. I sadly can't see the chat anymore, which is kind of ridiculous, but we are, we're out here troubleshooting, we're trying to make a better podca- podcast and platform for all of you, so thank you guys all so much for joining in and being a part of this. I am currently trying to find where the chat button is over on the new restream, but I've got you guys over here, so I'll be able to see you guys there for at least the little bit. So thank you guys so much for being here. Welcome in. Of course, I am Mr. Merck of the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. Um, it's it's exciting to come back and talk to you guys once again. Today, I've got a, one hell of a guest. I've got the one and only Aaron Davis. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the struggles that small businesses have to face in order to, you know, for all of us to pick, pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, as they always say. But... Of course, the government has been standing on our way in so many different ways. So we'll hear about some personal um, stories and some some ways that we've fought in order to to end those barriers in order to help people be successful in whatever it is that they would like to bring to the market in order to provide for themselves and, of course, provide to others. So it's going to be one hell of a show. I'm so excited you guys are here. Thank you guys so much for that. Um, I want to give a thanks to Matt and Spike for continuing to give me a platform to come out here to talk to you guys and bring these amazing guests on here um, as we talk about different liberty issues and, of course, self, uh, self-growth. self And so it's just from the bottom of my heart, thank you to Matt and Spike for that. Uh, big shout out and thank you to Brian Scott Lambrick and, of course, for Jenny for the intro that we use every episode here on, Muddy, or on uh, Mr. Merck of the Bearded Truth. And, of course... Thank you guys for checking us out, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Odyssey, Float, wherever, however you guys are watching this live. Thank you so much for being a part of this. If you guys are listening to this later on on any of your favorite podcast apps, thank you for that as well. Make sure that you guys are, are supporting the stream wherever you're seeing this. Big hype for everyone who's done that, whether it's through the comments, through the uh, interactions on the post, throwing those heart reacts, those care reacts, those those thumbs ups. Um, and of course, for putting out uh, recommendations, giving us those five star reviews, they all mean the world to us and helps us grow. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, if you guys want to be a part of the exclusive group, getting exclusive content, being a part of the exclusive Muddy Zoom once a month, you guys can head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied waters slash subscribe get on over there for the cup for the price of just a couple lattes a uh, a month you guys will be able to get so much good good muddied waters content you guys will not regret that decision i uh, want to give a big thank you to some of our sponsors today we're gonna be talking about kelsey lion designs if you guys are looking to upgrade to renovate how you have your small business if you're looking to have events or if you're on the campaign trail um, you need to reach out to Kelsey Lyon at KelseyLyonDesigns.com. She's going to be able to help revolutionize whatever it is that you're doing. Take it to the next level. And I guarantee you that she comes at it from a different aspect than what you'll see most graphic designers. So she's going to hook you up with the logo, with the branding, with the business cards, with the publications, and so, so much more. Um, she's an incredible wealth of knowledge, and you will not regret your decisions. To head over to KelseyLyonDesigns.com, use the code MUDDIEDWATERS. She'll, give, she'll hook you up with a nice discount. And I promise you, you won't regret that. Also want to give a big shout out because if you guys are looking for some real knowledge, go get some, go get you some nugs of knowledge. Head on over to nugofknowledge.com. Use the code 
uh, Bearded Truth. You're going to get 10% off. You're going to get some nugs sent to you. You're going to gain some knowledge about it because they're not allowed to legally, as we talk about uh, barriers, they're legally not allowed to tell you exactly what's in it. But I promise you, you'll be feeling high and you'll be feeling great. So head on over to nugaknowledge.com, use the code Bearded Truth, and you'll get 10% off. And of course, defy the power stitches and glitches you guys are looking for those tumblers you guys are looking to be able to change up the way that your tumbler is working for you you want to have hot things hot you want to keep cold things cold but you don't want to do it at the same time of course in these tumblers but you want to be able to to custom customize these things we'll head on over to defythepower.com they've been traveling the country going to conventions going to events they've been supporting the libertarian movement and the uh candidates so go ahead go out there and support them use um, you can go to either stitchesandglitches.com or defythepower.com. And thank you guys all for the supporters out there. And of course, last but not least, thank you to each and every one of you guys who are, who are here and watching this. You guys are much, much, much appreciated. Thank you so much for that. Um, <clears throat> but without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on Aaron Davis. Uh, I've been, I've, I've known her for for quite some time. She's an incredible woman. She's an incredible activist. She has helped in so many campaigns that we know of. She's worked on so many different initiatives in her state, in her area. Um, Just a wealth of knowledge. And something that a lot of people didn't know that she's got a lot of background with families, uh, with her own family, working in small businesses and everything else. So it's just, I'm just so excited to have this conversation with her. Erin, how is it going? Hey Jason, it's nice today. Actually, I'm waiting for the rain to come in here in Virginia, but absolutely beautiful. And I am so excited to number one see your face, and number two to talk trash to you publicly. So this, this is, is going to be fun. Yeah, it's a perfect <laughs> opportunity. I uh, you actually reminded me. So we actually have a storm warning right now. So my my oldest is leaving school right now. Our our friend is picking her up from school so this show may drop out at any moment and i apologize if it does but we'll we'll, we'll hang in there but um as for, part of the course of my life yeah so. <laughs> we'll have the muddy waters uh trademark uh issues as as normal but we'll we'll get through that so you said you're in virginia now i know that that's not where your history began so go ahead and let us know where you came from kind of your, your little bit of your past and how you joined the Liberty movement and the libertarian party. Um, so originally, um, up until December of 2020, I was only a resident of one state. Um, and that state was Indiana. Um, I am a former Hoosier, still a Hoosier at heart, still back up my people every chance I get. Um, I began learning about the Liberty Movement at a very young age. I was extremely lucky to have the grandfather I had. Uh, my mother's father worked for the government. Oh. <laughs> By now, right? Um, but he was very much libertarian. Um, he taught me the, the, the mindset of understanding to follow the money, to follow what's going on in the background. Um, you know, the whole uh, bread and circus. Yeah. Um, he, he definitely put in my mindset to understand that those people in power are being, you know, being, um, being given that power by the same people. So if you do look at donations, you're going to see a lot of the same people, both on the Republican and Democrat side. Um, so I was really lucky to have someone who worked in politics teaching me about the outside of politics and how it impacts individuals. Um, really wish he was still around to see all the work I've done, um, the work that I will continue to do. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I wish he was still here. Yeah. <laughs> I wish a lot of people were. Um, it's amazing real quick on that it's it's just amazing when people see the inside baseball of government how quickly they turn to go in this is just a, a giant crock of shit uh this is, this doesn't work for the people yeah um and i got to see um I, I got to see what it did to our family as well too because of him being in that line of work um but he also owned a small business um, so I also got to learn about small business through him and my additional family members. Um, it thir- I have, in our family, we have owned over 13 small businesses. Um, 
I come from a huge family, so don't get me wrong. My mom is one of 10 and my dad is one of 16. I have over 100 cousins. So 13 is actually quite a small number um, when you think about it in perspective. Um, I've you, had- Have you guys yeah. just never heard of the internet? Like you guys just seem to, to be busy the whole time. Like what's up with this? Um, well, they were as <laughs> apparently people like to say in certain, um, certain uh uh flicks they were catholic so um <laughs> there wasn't a lot of tv and there wasn't a lot of birth control so a lot of children um so lucky me i come from a huge family a very loving family i'm very grateful to my parents for always being so supportive with everything um and they always have them which is absolutely amazing um i have one grandparent who's left which is my grandmother and every time I do get the chance to talk to her, we do discuss how to bring the government down, um, which I absolutely love. And this was my grandfather's wife, um, okay. so his, his widow. Um, so I got to learn a lot from him. Um, I then um, in college um, became really interested in sociology. Um, and psychology is where a lot of people go, but for me, sociology was really big because of the way trends impact people as groups. Um, I think my favorite thing I ever studied was the story of a tribe. And I read this entire story and it really fascinated me. It was like my freshman year of college. And um, the, the name was really weird. It was, um, it was A-M-I-C- E-R-A, somewhere in there's lines. Uh, but what it was, that's not even the right spelling, so I'm never going to want to spelling be. <laughs> but it was, it was a tribe of da-da-da-da-da. When mm-hmm. you flipped it, it was America. And it was literally telling you the story of how tribes in America, how cliques and how socioeconomics and um, how viewpoints and religion would group people together. Um, so I thought it was just absolutely fantastic, fascinating. Um, so throughout college, I was trying really expanding my views on religion and communication and different things that would impact um, politics. I actually did take a class on the sociology of drugs. I learned how to make meth in college. Not even a joke. Cop came in and showed us the different ingredients you need to know to make meth. I, it would right. old, that would only be made better if you use federal loans to pay for that course specifically. The federal government paid for me to, to learn about making <laughs> math. <laughs> college loans, so <laughs> there we go. Um, and then my senior year, um, I was invited as a keynote speaker to the Midwest Sociology Conference. Um, my, um, my, my conversation, my speech um, was at St. Mary's of the Woods in Indiana, which is a Catholic college. So it made me a little nervous. Um, I then um, was able to present um, um, <laughs> religious impacts in American culture, specifically colon uh, marriage um so what i did was actually spoke about how um, american cultures impacted the rights of individuals not being able to get married in the united states such as the gay community um yeah. so it was really important for me um to able to represent them in such a great light again this was a catholic college so it was very very nerve-wracking for me yeah. i'm 22 22- and I'm going to go speak in front of these people about how their religion impacted other people's life, lives. Um, room of 500, um, there were people standing. It was intense and I was worried, um, but I got a really great um, feedback from it. Um, and it really, really um, honed in with me that I can't always judge people as well either on how they're going to perceive things. So it really opened up my mind to know that there are people who are in that gray area. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just myself and my grandfather. There were other people. Um, so I started really looking into things um, probably about the time um, I was 24 about local activism. Um, and I do apologize. I'm getting over a summer, summer cold. So I'm like, trying to make oh, you're, sure. good. you're fine. <laughs> um, so, um, 
I, I really started digging into things that were impacting people. And I met this amazing man. Um, he lives in Columbus, Ohio. So Paul Shin, if you are listening to this at all, hi. <laughs> um, he actually was a big supporter of the things that I was doing. And um, because of him, I actually joined the party. Um, I'd been around the party since 2010, but not an active member. Um, I even worked at the state level to try to help advocate um, and pull back some regulations on mental health issues to help people who had impulse controls through um, brain injury. Um, and the state kept pushing back and pushing back on me. And I was like, I can't do this by myself alone. I needed to find my tribe of people. Mm -hmm. um, so I got involved. And I also met other people in my own community who felt the same way. So I got really lucky to have such a tight family. Um, in 2016, I then became chair of the local county organization. Um, by 2018, um, I was pretty much embedded in the state and became whip for our state at the national convention. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> in 2019, I was voted in as the LPIN vice chair and also worked on communications. Or not communications. Well, I did help with communications, but I also was the outreach director. Okay. Um, I enjoyed immensely working with minorities throughout the state of Indiana, um, where I became fascinated with zoning laws. Like, oh, world. yes. And we're going to dive into that. Of course we have, yeah, to, but, but, but they really fascinated me on how they impacted individuals lives. Um, at the time I was working with Douglas McNaughton. Um, I was his campaign chair for the mayor of Indianapolis, which is a whole nother ordeal. Um, but shout out to Douglas. Love you, dude. You're amazing. Um, and I really got to learn a lot of things. And I got to also at that time work with the outreach director, uh, our minority outreach director of the GOP in Indiana. Um, so I got to have her perspective as well too, but I was also working with Democrats across the aisle, um, for minorities and individual, um, individual rights with cannabis, um, and looking with them at the business regulations when it came to that as well, too. Um, looking also like looking into other states and how they were handling it. Um, so in 2021, I got engaged to my amazing late husband, Christopher Davis. Yep. Um, and starting December, I started slowly moving out here. Um, and then um, became involved with them, uh, with the LPVA um, in June of 2021. Um, so actually, I'm so sorry. It was December 2020. Yeah. No, yeah. You're good. You're good. So sorry. Um, my life just kind of comes with one big ball. I think we're all like that anymore, I think right? once like COVID everything. happened, COVID just like kind of wiped out the timeline. I can like COVID and I can play Widow's Brain. I can also play part of me is a little bit blonde, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, so I did take up some of his responsibilities um, per his diagnosis with cancer um, and then became huge part of their event coordination it was the convention chair here in two, for 2022. Um, the most successful and most profitable convention of the LPVA. So very proud of that. And I got to work with other lo local organizations, meet with businesses, talk about the issues. Um, and now very excited um, because during some of this time, I was also um, the operations director, um, operations manager for a small business um, oh. while doing all this stuff too. So I was learning that side of it while so I was learning from my family. Um, so I got to see both sides. I got to see how a business owner handles it. And I got to be um, the person that stepped in for the business owner to handle it. Um, what a background. So, so like, just to now, recap that. Yeah, just to recap that. You started off and, and your grandfather was like, here's the inside baseball. And you're like, what? Okay. And you took that and then you started, you, you had a heart on, like, what we see from a lot of people who get political where they're just like my agenda, my ideology, I don't care. And you, you, you poured that out for people and you made connections, you grew 
you learn from uncommon allies, right? You worked with Republicans and Democrats to find on the issue based things to talk about. And but never but never compromise <laughs> yourself. Yeah. Um and and so you've done like so many amazing things and now we're here today where you know you've helped make Virginia already a little bit better. Um so by by approximation you've made the country all better because Virginia and Indiana are better because of what you've done. Um you know I can get out of bed most days. I feel like I'm doing the world of justice. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but so national, so I'm very excited. Oh yes. So you are you are going to be speaking at national. You've got a a, a meeting there. Um, I've been informed um, by Eric Radzip that I will be um, hosting one of the breakout sessions. Um, luckily, based on my background, because I do have HR, political and operations business background, um, one of the things um, I thought was really important, especially with today's environment and, and, and politics, is sexual harassment training. So I will be putting on a one-hour session at three o'clock that Friday of convention um, for those people who are interested in adding um, sexual harassment um, policies to their campaigns as well as to their affiliates. Um, because of what we're seeing in our culture, we need to make sure that everyone is protected and yes. that things are transparent so that we as a, as a community can help protect one another. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, yeah, if, if you guys, if anyone's going to Reno, make sure you're there 3 PM on that Friday, come see Aaron Davis. Um, it's, it's going to be incredible. I won't be in Reno. I'll be back here with the kids, but, um, I'll be, I'll be over <laughs> here at least here. Um, <laughs> But so getting into today's matter, right? You've already touched on a little bit of, of stuff, some of the struggles that people have faced. Um, we touched on the zoning laws and, and we're going to dive into that. But you also talked about something else that's within the minority community. Um, many people like to throw those statistics out there of, you know, the the income disproportionality between, you know, the mi majorities and the minorities. And, and there's a lot of hurdles there. Um, but I think that, you know, one of the first things I, I wanted to dive in first was occupational licensing, where this was something that was stemmed as a as a means of keeping that separation, um, you know, yeah. and um, so I, I, I know that you've toppled some of the licensing and some of the controls that have happened. I believe it was in Indiana um, of just preventing businesses from operating in some ways, but. Um, it's, you know, it's funny, people throw out a lot of statistics and data, and I'm going to tell you, it's interesting, is that no one cares about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, no, absolutely. People vote with their feelings, they don't care about facts. They say they care about facts, let's be honest, they care about the feelings. But um, for me, um, I, I, I'm absolutely, I'm 100% I'm against state licensing. And I know that sounds really weird because it's kind of a 50-50 if you think about it in some people, in some, yeah. some groups, libertarians that are for it and a majority who aren't. Um, so I try to take the perspective of both sides. I do try to play devil's advocate um, when it comes to things like this. I understand, um, like if we look at one of the biggest issues, hair, right? Hair's huge. I got a lot of it. Um, so I can understand why people would be so upset. Oh, you wouldn't just allow this person to do this. I've done all this. I was licensed. We get it. I absolutely understand. You got, you got your money taken from you just to prove you could do something when you already went through the training, have the certificate that you received the training. Um, when I say I want to, when I say this is bothersome for me as an individual, um, I have had horrible haircuts by people who were licensed by the yes. state. Yes. Um, but I have a degree. No one's ever asked me to get licensed by the state to work in politics. Yeah. It, it's, it's, so I up your life and take money from you and take away your rights and your freedom, and throw you in a cage. But this person can't braid your hair because the state's not, not going to let them unless they pay the money to do so. And and I know like statistics don't matter that much, but the the feelings behind this one that I'm about to drop, in in <laughs> states of like Utah, um, you can't. Did I lose you? No, there you go. Um, in states like in states like Utah, they have. Oh yeah. Uh, in states like Utah, you have two thousand hours required for these courses. 
That's 40 hour mm. work week, 50 weeks at 40 hours for somebody to be able to do your hair. And like you said, the quality is not guaranteed from that. A lot of these things are learning about cleanliness and, and not um, passing a communicable disease from one pa- or not patient, one um, one customer to the next. But then when we saw COVID come around, barbers were one of the first ones lopped off from from the market they were cut off entirely and so you had all these barbers and the hairstylists and everyone else trying to trying to find work and they were prevented oh it was ridiculous yeah and and there was no reason for it because what was the point of those two thousand hours of training if you can't trust them so Mm -hmm. these things are, are destructive um law officers who have to have a proportional smaller amount but they're expected to you know we we just let them go out because they are supposed to know everything yet our the other people have to go and have thousands upon thousands of hours for something that they already actually had training on and and um there's one of my favorites was in louisiana they actually had occupational licensing for putting a bouquet of flowers together because um i saw that and i saw it get deleted um i also saw that they are talking about legislation over it in in nola as well as in the state of louisiana now too they have to because it's so ridiculous you can't cut a rose the right angle you can't make sure that flowers look pretty for people you have to go and you have to get these certificates it's ridiculous i saw another one where just packaging objects packaging objects for shipment to be able to put something in a box and to tape it shut and to send it, you had to go and get a permit in some states. It was eight oh, states. If you've seen me wrap a gift, I should probably get a permit to do that. It's like literally, it's like I'm using newspaper and duct tape. It's That's how you know it's, it's made with love. Yeah, no, see me, I just leave it in the Walmart bag, wrap up the Walmart bag, throw a piece of scotch tape around it. It's good, but I'm not, you know, it's not for business. It's, uh, you know, to, to let Kelsey know I still care about her. Um, so, oh. so you know, she don't need no permit for that. <laughs> no. no, you already had to get a permit for that. It's called a marriage license. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. But. Well, days and days permits. Yeah. Um, but no, like. It just it saddens me to think that people can go through all this training and all this time to be told you can't do it unless you pay the state. Yeah. Because um, I'm going to tell you, don't tell anybody, I cut my children's hair. <gasps> oh, no. Horrible. I should probably be thrown in jail. Definitely. Um, that's, that's... I'm actually my first gigs um, when I was super young was cleaning up hair in my aunt's salon mm-hmm. and she tricks and tips now i have this amazing long head of hair um i do my own hair i would never suggest anyone do that no but i've had you know pro- almost 30 years of being around beauticians where i've had tips trips <laughs> tips and tricks given to me throughout the years um and, you know, when it came to the pandemic, who was going to cut this? This girl's like an inch a month. This is insane. Like, so I needed someone to do it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to what everybody's ever told me. And I'm going to handle this myself. Um, but I'd always handled my daughter's hair um, since she was little. Um, I think maybe three people have cut her hair other than me. And it's only been one or maybe twice because she doesn't trust anybody else. Um so things like that can can seriously impact, but not only that, family matters, but for people who are low economics. Yes. Um, like, you know, you have someone who who wants to, who has talent, has skill, and has, has helped their family their whole lives, and they do hair. Why should they have to pay to do something they're talented at, and they know they can do, and other people trust them, just to get a permit from the state? That costs money. They're going to be knocked out. Because they can't afford something that someone in the wealthier economic levels can. And to me, that's not equality. Yeah. No, that's absolutely. Free. And it's, it's hard to watch because these people want to work. They want to have jobs. They want to be self-sufficient. But when you put economics in the way of being able to do that, you're continuing the cycle of, of, of the situation they're already in. Yep. And it's hard to watch. 
It is. It's incredibly hard because you know, just like what you were talking about, they, when you look at, at you know, I'm I'm clearly a white person, right? I I glow in mm-hmm. in the in the sunlight, and but you know, you do have people like in the African American community where they braid each other's hair, and and you have mm-hmm. people who have made a business out of that out of their own kitchen and they make they gross in about a bunch a bunch of money and then some of the other hairstylists who are licensed they catch wind of it they report them to the government the government comes beating down their doors takes their money um you know threatens them with lawsuits threatens them with criminal punishment in some cases um for operating without a license and it's like you know, people are just trying to find a way of, of surviving. And so um, I think it was Larry Sharp that coined this, but he was like, you know, when you when it comes to this, if you could trust your neighbor to do it, you shouldn't have to have a license for it. And you wouldn't trust your neighbor maybe to, to go and perform open heart surgery on you. And so maybe maybe there needs to be some form of, of a check there. Um, but cool. You already received a certificate that you've done the training. Exactly. Exactly. Uh oh, I'm losing you. Let's see if I get her back in a second. And maybe. Hi. One second. Okay, I got you back. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> um, what's thing is, um, we do vote with our dollars. So if you don't like the way someone um treats a customer, you should be able to go wherever you want with your money. Um, so having putting that extra layer um eliminates your options um to where you want to put your money. Yeah. And, and that's that as a consumer is not a free market at all. That's a controlled market. Yeah. No, and we and- our options. And and as the culture right now is fo- so hyper focused on cancel culture, I I've always mm-hmm. viewed cancel culture as an economic means because you know just like you said, we vote with our dollars. If a business isn't going to live up to our standards, we're okay with them being canceled because we're not going to provide for bad services. We're going to go to somebody who could provide it better, which is. I always found the city of Bloomington, Indiana to be an interesting um, city to look at when it comes to cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very much a democratic city. And they talk about big corporations taking over and blah, blah, blah. Um, And I did a lot of work in Bloomington when I worked with small businesses. And they were, this, this town being very Democrat is huge corporation town massive everyone spends their money in the corporate businesses um so it was hard to watch these small business owners um sitting there arguing with people who told them they want to support them but then give all their money to these big corporations um so anytime i get a chance i constantly will spend my money with small corporations small businesses because of all the things i know that they actually have to deal with i know you and i Fired to bringing me on um talked about taxes um on top of all the licenses and the permits and all the things you have to do um as a small business owner um to be able to, to function to run um taxes is massive um small business owners depending on the industry you're in um if you add not only the the professional business taxes with the personal taxes are paying anywhere between 50 to 65% of the money they bring in back to taxes. It is insane. The money they're bringing in goes right back to the government. Um, I mean, you've got, if you have vehicles, it's an insane amount of money you're spending. Um, On top of that, you have to get that had to be done every year. Um, when I was an operations um, manager for the small business, I probably spent two weeks of my entire year going over the stuff for the audit. So not being able to spend time with the clients and helping build the business. Um, I was doing that instead. I'd have to go sit down with the DMV and have to get my our, our permits for our licensing for our tow truck. And I was just like, the processes have to be better than this. There yeah. is so much better for small business owners. Um, and there are other things that small business owners have such a huge impact on that people don't think about it. And one of those things is really big to me for the Liberty Movement and to get our messaging out there, especially when it comes to candidates who are in the Liberty Movement. Um, in 2000 and 
19. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the LP Minnesota convention. I was their keynote lunchtime speaker. And I talked about outreach to small business owners because this has always been a passion of mine. Um, how often, Jason, do you go into a small business and you hear people talk about politics? Around here? Um, I here in just random customers, not very often, but here in like the owners and the, the people working there, they are concerned. Mm-hmm. They're massively they're all, concerned. They're on one of the biggest free marketing, free advertising for, for candidates out there. Um, everything that impacts small business owners, the majority of those issues, libertarians want to help with. We as libertarians, pretty-minded individuals need to be helping these people, need to be advocating for them, need to be helping in every aspect we can, because they're not just talking about the policies. They're talking about the people that help them. And people that talk to small business owners about politics, trust them. So when we can get into their mindset and help them become part of their culture, they're going to start talking about us. And that's another big big thing when it comes to small businesses is they need advocates like us to help them and know that we're out there helping them. Yes. Um, So I am all about being very loud about it. Um, Again, licensing, I won't be loud about it because I think it's stupid. I honestly do. And I've had arguments with friends about it. Um, And I do see their points and I understand them. But at the same time, I've had my hair lopped off and it looked horrible. No, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the license doesn't mean a thing. And and no, and that's so incredibly important that when we do go out and we talk to the people who are most concerned about it, I, I, I commonly talk to, when I talk to businesses or when I talk in general, I think that the taxes shouldn't be coming from businesses themselves. I think it should be coming from the people because then one, we wake up to exactly how bad we're being taxed. Instead of that mm-hmm. being sitting on the shoulders of these businesses, now it's on us. We see our taxes percentage drastically increase we go look at the benefit of what we're getting from this exorbitant amount of money and we go this isn't working and then people suddenly don't want to advocate for it but by cutting those barriers right when you're paying 50 to 65 percent of your your revenue and back into taxes the business owners are are actually covering quite a big portion of what's you know what they could put on customers or you know or even like when it comes to the wage of their employees, um, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of employees understand that business owners actually have to pay a percentage to the state in certain states um, of how much they're paying their employees. Yep. The payroll so, I mean, tax and then also oh, the cost yeah. of the requirements for like health insurance, the requirements for this mm-hmm. insurance, that insurance, this coverage, that coverage. I mean, it's so incredibly expensive for business owners to own em- or to, to have employees. But then we have all these people out there advocating for a higher minimum wage. And it's just like these things are only stopping small businesses. Big corporations want people to scream about higher wages because it actually takes out the small businesses as their competition. These businesses can't afford to pay these people because they're already overly taxed. Like if you do look at the difference between like a Walmart and a small mom and pop shop, Walmarts or these big corporations are getting these great breaks at the local level um, from from city and county councils where the small businesses aren't. So they're already saving so much money already. And if you can't afford their people, they're going to hire them. They can afford the higher amount. They can then put it on their customers and they're not going to care at the end of the day where small ops are just trying to survive. And yeah, we're going to scream and yell at them because they're greedy and trying to take money. No, they're trying to survive just like the rest of us. Yes. Small businesses, we should be treating them the same as people in low-income families. Give them the mm-hmm. opportunities to grab themselves by the bootstraps and actually survive. But, you know, as yeah. as we've been beating on, you can't do it. So I, w- I want to move a little bit into the zoning topic. Um, so you have a small oh. business. You're getting through. You're you're being successful. You're you're looking to to expand, to grow, and everything else, or or however you want to want to phrase this. What exactly are the zoning laws? How do they affect uh, affect small businesses? And and I'll, I'll let you. I'll I'll open it up. Zoning <laughs> laws go. Uh, zoning laws. Um, 
are one of the most boring regulations you will ever read in your entire life. And they are. So I'm never going to put anybody through that <laughs> because that's more my jam. Um, zoning laws, in an essence, restrict people of what they can and can't do on their own property, which is not freedom. Um, you can easily tell where the zoning laws hit communities the hardest. It is not hard to tell at all. It is where you're going to see food deserts. You're going to see there's not really a lot of small businesses. People are having to leave their communities to work. So on top of the kids ending up in the families being latchkey kids, not having their families around because parents got to drive out of the area to have a job. Um, small business owners can't provide anything in their local communities because they can't get the right zoning. Um, you can't have a business run out of your home. Um, you lose money. You lose opportunities. Um, and I think the, the hardest thing for me is watching these people so desperately want to be successful and to own something, but because of something so simple as you can only have this type of thing in your zone. Yeah. They're kind of, it's, it's, and I love Molly. Yeah. I, so I'm looking um, around in my area and we just recently had, I say recently, this was before COVID. So just before COVID came through, there was a major concern because people had an extra bedroom at their house. And so they were Airbnb, baby. You come on in, you could use this. It was a bed and breakfast. You would cook you food. You would take care of your customer because they were coming through. You'd give, show them good hospitality. And the hotel said no. So they went to the legislators. The legislators enacted laws and the zoning laws to say you may own your house you may own it outright other than the property taxes that we're going to continue to steal from you every year but you cannot rent out your room for short term yeah i mean it's ridiculous it's it's what is that phrase we like to use out of your pocketbook out of your bedroom now they want to be in both they want to be in your bedroom telling you who else you can have in your bedroom i mean come on this is absolutely it's it's what is it my daughter and I like to say? This is definitely the steps toward Hunger Games. Uh, I mean, like, and lucky for me, I live in District 1, so I get to have the pretty outfits. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's so hardening because people want to be so much better. And then I have to listen to um, politicians and candidates say, well, I know better than them you don't know the layout of their home. You don't know the bills they need. You don't know the network they have, the kind of people they want to help, the kind of people that they want to be in business with. So tell me how you know better than these people. Um, zoning laws were a big thing when Douglas and I worked on his campaign for Indianapolis. You can easily look at the east side of Indianapolis and see um, how they were much more restricted um, than any other of the other areas in Indianapolis. Um, it tends to be minorities in that region. You're gonna see less grocery stores. They have to go out of their area to go to the store. They have to go out of their area to get a job. Um, it's, it's hard because they want to make their lives better, but they can't even revamp their communities because they can't invest in them. Exactly. And when you came in your community then you just let it go to the wayside so not only do zoning laws hurt the individuals they end up hurting the community as a whole yeah no and and that's such a an important aspect of this is when we talk about communities that have been hurting for generations for decades or generations or whatever what they need to have is a more flow of money throughout that community and if you're zoned out, if you can't get occupational or you can't get the licensing in that area, if you if you are unable to work with for and with the people in your own community, that money is going to come in and go right back out. And those communities will never be able to develop again. And so if we no. want to if we want to give people opportunities, it means that we need to give everybody opportunity. I mean, south side of Richmond is very much like that here um i have a friend that lives down there and i go to visit her and when we want to go out to eat or go anywhere um like we have to leave her community like we can't just be there like we have to either go downtown or come to the west side which is where i live um the east side is very industrial and they have the airport there um but the west north and downtown 
is where all the businesses are, where you can go to eat, and the majority of the grocery stores with the South, again, minority-owned area, um, minority-occupied area, they don't have that kind of opportunity down there. Mm. It's it's so, so painful. Um, so I, I, occupational licensing, zoning laws, what's the other, what's the other big ticket thing in your mind that is stopping small businesses oh. from taking off or from being able to start up? Um, I think one of the biggest things that have, that, that small businesses have a hard time with when it's taking off or starting up is, um, honestly um the way that their communities are set up for them to begin um sitting and in in city council meetings and county councils in state um meetings seeing all the regulations put on them um seeing even them trying to just expand their businesses um i know this isn't necessarily small business but it is um rickers gas station in indiana they found a loophole to be able to expand their business so they had the gas station and then they had their restaurant area they had their food service area um and they sold alcohol but in the state of indiana up until a few years ago you couldn't buy alcohol on sundays at a gas station or a grocery store um, you can go to a liquor store and buy it. You can only go to a restaurant, order it, drink it, and then leave. That's what we want to do. We want to have people on the road drunk. That's smart, Indiana. Way to go. Um, so, you know, no alcohol sales on Sunday. Like, you know, maybe we should just get rid of milk on Mondays. And, you know yeah. what? Let's just get rid of tacos on Tuesdays because people might oh. do something right? So um, I was really fortunate to, um, to work with Jay um, Rickers and other people in the LP on um, bringing the public into such a weird situation. Um, I had the honor of putting together the big event, which was the drink-ins um, at the Rickers gas stations across Indiana. Um, we literally sat in on a Sunday and drank alcohol all day. And had the media come in and interview our people and interview legislators. Um, and after that happened, it just snowballed. Um, and within a year, we had Sunday sales. Now, it's very limited, just noon to eight. And you can't buy, like, cold beer, whatever the stupid crap is they want to throw at us. Um, because they're afraid you're going to drink it in the parking lot. Well, news to you, when I used to drink, I drink it warm. So, yeah. um, <laughs> like... On guys, um, alcoholics don't care about it cold or warm, they'll drink it. So, your policies are doing nothing to prevent um, idiocy happening because people choose their their consequences by their own actions. You can't legislate morality away or legislate morality into somebody, it just doesn't happen. Um, so we were able to help not only, um, agitate the state (laughs) but to also change a law by just looking at how it could possibly impact people in the long run um jay unfortunately um knowing what they were going to do to him um lost his license to be able to serve alcohol um but he knew what he was doing he was kind of be the martyr of that um in that process. Um, but I was really, really happy that every now, every year that the, the anniversary of Sunday sales happens, I get tagged in so many posts because I know I did something to impact our, our economy in Indiana. Um, the biggest thing for me now is now that I've done that and I've, I've been doing all these things, um, my biggest focus is now how I can help liberty for my own children. Um, one thing me and Christopher really, really fought for together was how to help our kids become more free because my daughter, our daughter wants to be, um, wants to own her own dance studio. Now, mm-hmm. what kind of permits is she going to have to have to tell little children to spin? Yeah, no. And that, that right there is like one of the things that I think is the most daunting because we hear of these horror stories of people being shut down, of not being able to have their businesses. And it's just like, you have to hire a lawyer 
to know all of the laws in your state, in your city, in your county, and whatever district this may be, whatever municipality may be over that, to understand all of those things, to be able to create a business, to follow all the zoning laws of what you can and cannot do on those. And you have to, oh, you're good. Um, You have to do so many different things with a lawyer before you can even start your business that there's already like a, a, a high level there that uh, uh, just a starting bid on this. Um, and, and, you know, like what you were saying with the alcohol laws, there are laws that just don't make sense at all that are standing in the way of people being able to do what they need to do in order to not just thrive, but just survive. Oh, sorry about that. No, you're fine. Um, um, so I, I, I joked with her the other day because we were talking about that and I was like, honey, you're 14 years old now. You probably should start learning the laws so you can start getting this business ready for when you're in your 20s. Yeah. Uh, and become massive. Um, I know my my boys, my oldest um, is looking at real estate um, and I know there's so many laws around that as well too. Um, so it's it's I want to do the things that are going to help them build a successful future. Um, so maybe if I stop saying um, that might help a lot. Then, <laughs> but so so what I'm going to do as a mother is advocate for them to be successful, and if yes. that means going up state and fighting for the things that aren't just for me but are for them, I'm going to do it because if I'm concerned about this because my kids want this type of future and this type of freedom financially, there are other parents who feel the same way. There are other parents who are saying, I would love for my kids to be able to to pursue their dreams, but I know because of this, it's not going to happen. So me as a parent, now I'm advocating not just for small businesses and for our economy and for our future, but for my children. And I'm going to continue to fight for that. I, I ruined my, my oldest daughter when she was about nine years old. She, we made lemonade <laughs> one day and she was like, I want to make a lemonade stand. And I was like, sweet. You want to? I was like, we got to go get a permit for that. And she's like, what's a permit? I was like, well, it's when the government, you pay the government in order to do things you were going to do if you didn't ask for permission. And she's like, how much are those? And we looked it up and she's like, so I have to have money in order to make money. I'm like, gotcha. Um, but it, it's true yeah, though. I, I- my daughter my daughter was ruined by uh rex um and russell from indiana in 2016 i will tell you that uh, story probably privately um but it happens to do with ice cream and politics um but man they ruined politics for her like Mm. in a second she like with the ice cream stuff she was like oh politicians and now every when she was little every dog after that was named rex because she loved him <laughs> yeah i mean we have to do these things for our kids it's important um because we're we're at the age now where our what we do um doesn't just impact us um lucy brenton i worked with her in indiana for many many different projects um and one of the things that we talked about as mothers and as, as I mean, in all honesty, we're politicians, we're activists. Um, but what we talked about is we're not laying the foundation for ourselves. You know, the fight we are doing right now isn't for us. The fight that we are doing right now is laying the foundation for our children to be able to have more freedom. Uh, and we need to remember that it's not about us. It's not about power. It's not about influence. It's not about money. It's about laying a foundation where our children um, are able to advocate for themselves and become su- successful off their own merits and not because they were able to purchase a piece of paper. That, that I was going to like give you a, a moment to like wrap this all up. Um, but, but thank you for, for knowing where I was going to go with that. Yeah. That was it's my time. Guys, it's not Jason, I promise. It's always me. Just just blame it on Muddy Waters Media. And the, everyone will understand. But Oh, and Anna, they learned to blame it on me. <laughs> <laughs> I always told everybody, I'm more than happy to be the person you throw under the bus because I literally, I've learned I have nothing to lose in life. I always have everything to gain. Um, so um, when it comes to these fights, I'm absolutely always willing to put myself out there to let everyone else gain from the advocacy that i do yeah no that's it's important to stick your neck out and i know i just saw a comment from her from uh liz coquillard 
and her and Will Henry, Will Henry just stuck his neck out there in a, in a major way as well. So that's a, that's part of being a great advocate and an activist, um, as we, we push to, to allow for our communities and our children to be successful. Um, but I want to, I want to thank you so much, Aaron, for, for joining me today for this. Um, I want to know where can we find you? Where can we plug in to find what you're doing, what, how you're doing it and how to be successful? Well, um, I am now in Virginia. I actually have no titles. <laughs> I am not taking That's on nice. anything. Um, I'm doing some, um, I'm doing some advisory work for a couple different campaigns. One of those is Angela Pence. That girl is amazing. If you have the opportunity to sit down and talk to her, please do so. But right now we are working on fundraising for billboards in her, in her, in her area. Um, seen, I swear to God, stop it. It's on me. Um, <laughs> as we have seen, um, we need to stand together as libertarians and help fight. Um, so um there we go um we need to stand together as libertarians and she is standing there with her neck out going up against um a republican um and we need to make sure as as liberty-minded people that we're helping each other so if you get a chance i say go talk to this lady that's what i'm doing i'm putting okay. a lot of advocacy behind her um you know go pitch in with her campaign go volunteer um, she's working on her um, petitions right now for her signature. So if you are in her state, the state of Georgia, guys. Yep. Yeah, Georgia her because she's phenomenal. Um, she actually, we sat down and built a petition plan for the next ten weeks. So, Sweet. girl knows her. Very, very proud of her. Um, I'm going to be at national. Um, so if you are interested in finding out more about. Um, what well, I'm going to be presenting there, the sexual harassment training, feel free to reach out to your regional reps. Um, they do have a way to connect with me. Um, they have, the regional reps do have um, access to my phone number and my email so that you, and, and they can, they can, the regional reps can absolutely come to me and ask if it's okay to give out my information. I'm more than happy to, to, to you know, give a yes or no on that. Um, right now, just focusing on helping Georgia and, um, helping people who really do need it. And that's making sure I'm not in our echo chambers. I'm outside talking yes. to Republicans, Democrats, independents, Greens, um, constitutionalists, all of them. My favorite, the Pirate Party, because they're awesome. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I just want to wear, like, I seriously, I have an eye patch. I actually have a decorated one too. Um, so yeah, make sure you're, or you're not staying in your echo chambers, that you're helping people because the only way we're ever going to grow is to help the people who need it. Yes. Talk to small owners, get involved with your local community, understand this is not about you. And I think that's a big part of people, um, people having issues with, with the movement is people have to quickly learn. This is not about you. This is about the people you love. Um, so, so if you want to find me, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it so much, Aaron. Uh, it was an incredible yeah. conversation. I, I love hearing your heart pour out for the communities, for the people, for the kids and everything else. And, and, you know, your activism stands, stands alone. And, um, so I want to thank you so much for, for spending some time hopping on here today on a wonderful Friday as the storm takes out our connection. Um, I'm ready for <laughs> I so, got no rest the night. <laughs> perfect. Well, thank you so much for for joining me, and I will see you in a minute. Thank you. What a conversation! What a show! This was incredible, and I can see your guys' chat now. Uh, I'm sorry I wasn't able to see you guys during. I will figure that out after the show. Um, but you guys were what an incredible conversation that was with Aaron, and a perfect segue there at the end. For next week's show she was talking about how get out of your echo chamber communicate with people in the republican party and the democrat party and the green party and and go ahead give a good r to the part uh party <clears throat> but um next week's show we're gonna have on nate banks we're gonna be talking about messaging and uniting with unlikely allies so this is right there so continuing off of this great conversation with aaron davis of what's happening in small businesses and how that's affecting us and and how we can better their conditions to, to better our own conditions and also help our kids and, and people within all the different communities around the country. 
we will be able to find out where we can find those allies to work with us to make those differences and also how to communicate more effectively with them. So join me next week um, as I sit down with Nate Banks next Friday. But next week, of course, we have the full lineup, I believe. So we will see uh, Tuesday night with Matt and Spike on Muddy Waters of Freedom. They will traverse those muddy waters. I, I promise you it's coming. I, I promise. Um, hopefully it'll be Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday night will be Spike Cohen with Natalie Bruno, I do believe. And they'll be talking a little bit about what's been on the minds of everybody when it comes to the abortion topic. Oklahoma has been passing some bills. Roe versus Wade is being challenged right now. Will that, um, that leaked, uh, transcript from, or leaked passage from, uh, the Supreme court hold up. You'll have to find out on Wednesday with Spike and Matt and Thursday night, you'll have Matt Wright with the writer's block and his amazing guest. And of course, as I already said, Friday, we will have Nate Banks coming on to talk about messaging and uniting with unlikely allies. I want to thank you guys all for being a part of this, for sharing this out, for for building this uh, the audience and, and joining me on these adventures as we continue to learn and develop. I love you guys all. I appreciate you all. And I will see you guys next week. Take care. Be well and be good.